I'm Lynn Kawano with another episode of The Other Side of Paradise. The sex abuse scandal that rocked Kamehameha School's Bishop Estate is growing as more graduates come forward saying they too were victims. Many of them were abused for years by psychiatrist Dr. Robert Brown. Dr. Brown, remember what you used to do to me? He goes, oh, what do you mean? I said, remember how you used to molest me from the time I was 12 years old, telling me it was therapy. Remember that? The school forced students to be treated by Dr. Brown from the 1950s to the 1980s. In 2017, I reported on the first lawsuit and settlement, one of the largest ever in Hawaii, $80 million to 32 victims. Since then, dozens more have come forward. Attorney Randall Rosenberg represents some of them. As far as uh, litigation, litigation is ongoing. We have about uh, 19 cases involving Dr. Brown. There are some other attorneys in town who have probably another 12 to 15 cases that are still pending. In addition to the 32 that were already settled? Correct. Um, there was an attempt to mediate some of the cases and KS has been taking uh, a hard line on mediation, on settlement I should say. Um, there may be some administrative reasons for that. We're, it's, we're not entirely clear on it, but at least in the meantime, we're forging ahead and trying to bring these cases to trial as quickly as we can. It's been difficult because of COVID, so that's accounted for part of the delay. That first settlement agreement was public, with KS leaders openly speaking about the school's wrongdoing and cover-up. The deal was seen as a way for the institution to turn the page on some of its darkest days. Kamehameha administrators announced an independently run hotline for those reporting abuse and a recovery fund to pay the medical expenses for those needing treatment. Subsequent filings, though, are not as public. They settled those first 30 cases and seemed very open. They, they announced the amount. They seemed open and willing to admit what had happened there. Why is it stalled now in some of these follow-up cases? So I don't know for sure. I can tell you uh, what we've been told, and I just can't verify if it's true or not. Uh, Apparently, Kamehameha is saying they were highly criticized in an audit uh, for paying out of their own pocket uh, and for uh, some things related to that. And as a result, the school has essentially turned over uh, the litigation to their insurer. And the insurer has uh, some different ideas about what these cases are worth. Will precedent win here? We'll find out. You went to Komehamao, right? I did. How hard is it for you to see what had happened to all of these people? It's, it's difficult. I, I represent um, three of my own classmates uh, from Komehamao, and I had no idea this was going on at the time. I knew who these kids were. I knew that some of them seemed withdrawn. Uh, I thought that was a personality thing, and I didn't realize that some of them were seeing a psychiatrist who was abusing them, and that some of them were being abused by their dorm advisors. 
This is not something that anybody talked about up there. Um, so it is, it's difficult, no question about it. Were they all dormed kids? Not all. That, although I will say that at least uh, with the group that we have, um, boarders were the primary targets. And I think the reason for that is because most of them were Outer Island kids. Many of them had never been away from home. They were homesick, they were lonely. Uh, they didn't have their parents close by. And they were vulnerable. And this psychiatrist, and in some cases, uh, dorm advisors, took advantage of that. Dr. Robert Brown was chief of psychiatry at St. Francis Hospital. Hired by the school, students were often bused to his soundproof cottage on the hospital grounds. It's there that the prominent doctor sexually assaulted kids for decades. Victims say they were abused when they were as young as 12 and described the horrific scope of the sexual violence, saying Dr. Brown would touch them or make them touch him. Some said it escalated to forced oral or genital contact and rape. All the time, he called it medical treatment and therapy and said, that's what doctors do. Dr. Brown would also threaten the children. If they reported the abuse, he told them they could be kicked out of school or the dorms. For so many, admission to Kamehameha schools was a source of pride for the family. Expulsion was an effective way for him to get compliance. Some did report the abuse, yet no one helped them. It wasn't until 1991, one of his victims, Emmett Lee Loy, then grown and now a lawyer, confronted Dr. Brown. I interviewed Lee Loy in 2017, ahead of the settlement. He remembered what he said to his abuser. I said, Dr. Brown, remember what you used to do to me? He goes, oh, what do you mean? I said, remember how you used to molest me from the time I was 12 years old, telling me it was therapy, remember that? Leloy said he told Dr. Brown he was going to get him. The next day, Brown committed suicide. He shot himself in his home. Leloy said he only had one regret. The only thing I feel sorry about is I wasn't there to pull the trigger. Leloy said he then learned that his brothers were also molested by Dr. Brown, but it wasn't until the lawsuit started that he realized the scope. Attorney Randall Rosenberg says he too was amazed that the sexual assault was allowed to continue for so long. So what happens in our experience with these predators is that they keep going until they get caught. And even after they get caught, like in the cases of Catholic priests, if it doesn't become public and known, if, if the entity that's responsible keeps it quiet, then they continue to do it. So this is a situation it looks like we had with Dr. Brown. There were some complaints made. We have, uh, we're aware of eight witnesses uh, which, who are all victims who told Kamehameha schools at some point that this was going on. 
and no investigation was done that we're aware of. In fact, uh, a couple of the notice witnesses were sent back to Dr. Brown after they complained. So, you know, we're still investigating, we're still doing discovery, but that's the information that we have now. It's sickening. It is. I sent my two boys there. When you talk to these, these men, when you talk to these survivors, what's the sense that you get? I know they all kind of deal with things differently, but what's the sense that you get? Is it, is it anger? It seems like it took them a long time and, and it took a lot of other community support before they were willing to come forward. Yeah, primarily it's shame. They feel guilty that they allowed it to happen. That's, that's the predominant problem that we have to deal with and that's why they didn't come forward. They felt that they did something, or they allowed it, or there was something wrong with them that allowed this to happen. And, you know, we have this um, macho society, and believe me, Kamehameha's got a lot of that, uh, as do, you know, some of the other uh, schools. They could not let their classmates know. They could not tell their parents. They couldn't tell their teachers. Most of them were unable, they were paralyzed. They didn't know what to do. And, that, and that's been the biggest problem uh, of them coming forward. There was, I think that many of them were encouraged by uh, the prior litigation when they saw that people actually believed it, that other people had been abused. Because when you're out there and you're a victim, you think you're the only one. And many of them thought they were the only one. Uh, but when they realized that it was many, many, probably, I would guess, more than 100 victims are out there who would have not come forward yet. Dr. Brown had 20, at least 2,200 patient files. His receptionist testified that they were mostly Kamehameha students. I think the incidence of abuse was quite high. Uh, so the folks who've actually come forward, I think represents the tip of the iceberg. But he was allowed to continue because even though complaints were made by a few who had the ability to come forward and actually complain about what happened, those fell on deaf ears. Nothing was done. And he continued, he, he was there until the early 80s doing uh, these uh, psych exams and treatments for Kamehameha schools. He started practicing here in, I believe it was 59 or 60, so it's, it was about a little over 20 years. Wow, that's a long time. That's a long time. That's a lot of access to a lot of kids. Yeah. more of Rosenberg's clients recently filed a lawsuit claiming negligence and concealment. In a statement, Kamehameha School said, we respect and appreciate the strength and courage of survivors to come forward. Our commitment to resolve these cases in a timely, fair, and reasonable manner is a kuleana we take very seriously. Understanding the impact the process can have on survivors, we seek to resolve these cases in a way that minimizes any adverse impact to them. For this reason, the process continues to be handled directly by Kamehameha Schools. The statement says the assertion that their insurer has taken over talks is inaccurate. An increase in cases with more victims coming forward plus pandemic restrictions at the courts mean the current lawsuits are taking much longer to settle not ideal for those survivors asking for compensation for the years of abuse, and not ideal for Kamehameha schools looking to finally put the scandal behind them.
That's episode eight of The Other Side of Paradise. Mahalo for listening. I'm Lynn Kawano. Thank you.